Grace and peace to you from God the Father, his only Son, Jesus, who is the Christ and the Holy Spirit, who live and reign as one God now and forever. Amen. In Matthew's text today, Jesus showed to his disciples, followers, and critics how he ends death by attacking the many ways that without faith, death takes us over. Matthew, the tax collector, was in a dead-end job. Everybody hated him, leaving him joyless and lonely. He extorted from his fellow Jews to gain wealth and position and comfort, winding up with the kind of friends that only money could buy. Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome, needed to be enforced by a huge standing army requiring onerous taxes from every country that Rome occupied. Ambitious, greedy people would actually bid for these jobs of tax collection because they were so lucrative. Tax collectors were hated because they would pad this Roman tax bill for themselves. But in spite of the financial rewards, Matthew knew his job was killing him. So when Jesus approached his tax collection booth and merely said, follow me, he immediately left his job behind. His intuition told Matthew that it was time to live for something larger than himself. Jesus' invitation brought Matthew back from the dead. Though not in attendance at this dinner hosted by Matthew, the Pharisees scoffed when they heard of it, rebuking Jesus' disciples. As keepers of the law and expert in all matters religious, these Pharisees were so blinded by their devotion to ritual and tradition that the many calls found in the scripture that they taught to mercy were completely obscured. Adherence to religious law and temple sacrifice became their idols, crowding out the commands of God to love your neighbor. They were blinded by the law, or actually dead in the law, as St. Paul writes. In fact, for them to stay ritually clean, they needed to separate themselves from the people who weren't clean or um, unorthodox in their behaviors. But to come clean with you, clinging to ritual and doctrine, can be a safe place for the professional clergy to hide when life gets messy for us. They can become our idol, obscuring the radical doctrine of Jesus Christ and his salvation that he brings, the forgiveness of sins. Theology, doctrine, ritual, and tradition all matter greatly, but only to the extent that they preach the good news of Jesus Christ. You can almost see Christ roll his eyes as he explains to the Pharisees that God desires mercy, not sacrifice, and that he has come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. To reinforce this, he instructs the Pharisees to go and learn what this means. Or in other words, go confront your own sin and don't spend time condemning others. This might seem a little bit harsh 
on the part of Christ, but this was a stiff-necked bunch. He tells them to get out of their closed circle of friends and experience what mercy is by living out the command to love their neighbor. Spend a little time with church on the street to find out what the homeless experience every day of their life. Check on your elderly neighbor. Call your mom. You've been free to do all these things. And lest I give you the impression that I'm a fan of the bad boy crowd that is broadly described in verse 10 as the many tax collectors and sinners, or would let them off the hook, these people were also dead in their sinful behaviors. They too missed the scriptural call for mercy. This was a group that lived on the margins of polite society back then and were the last, the least, and the lost at the heart of Christ's ministry. In the second section of our reading today, we heard Jesus commend two others for their great faith. First, by curing the hemorrhagic woman, then bringing her young then bringing the young daughter from the synagogue official back from death. The New Testament records of miracles testify to Christ's status as the God-man, the author of mortal and immortal life, and to the central tenet of our faith that he died on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit rose from the dead to deliver the good news. But did he cure every leper? Did he raise everyone from the dead? Did he resolve every dispute? No, he did not. Christ did not come to save us from what Luther described as the little death or our physical passing. But instead, his focus was the big death, eternal damnation. Christ vanquished death and stripped sin of its power through his sacrifice on the cross. He grabbed all of our failures and sins and took them to hell with him. And in doing so, giving us eternal life. We hear Christ speak this in John 10.10, saying, I have come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. This is why we baptize and this is why we celebrate Holy Communion. Just a few moments ago, Pastor Jason presided at the sacrament of baptism. We hear God's promise to free us from sin and death. This promise strips the law of its power and cleaves idols from our lives. This pruning of our faith life leaves us with faith in God alone as our soul's salvific power. And the Reformation's five solas, something we don't talk about a lot, were formulated to focus us in exactly this place. God's word alone, faith alone, Christ alone, grace alone, and to the glory of God alone are powerful guides for clearing away the brush from our life. It is the deepest privilege to gather as a church for the celebration of baptism for these newly minted members of God's family. Welcome, Thomas. And being witness to their promise of new life through the Holy Spirit. 
Participating in this primary means of grace is not just for them, of course, but for us to hear God's promise again, perhaps in a new way. To hear that when each of us slips through the veil of death, the next words we hear will be Christ saying, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Amen.